Welcome everyone to a brand new episode of Off the Track Podcast. We are joined today by two members of the group, uh, Matt Cadney and, and Mecca, and they'll introduce themselves. Hey guys, my name is Matt Katnick. I'm a six-year senior on the USC track team. I'm a shot putter, business major, uh, t- team captain, and a two-time All-American. And I'm super happy to be part of something like this. Hey guys, my name is Mecca McGlaston. I am a fifth-year senior now on USC's track team. And I'm a hurdler and sprinter, a communication major with a minor in cinematic arts. And I'm very, very excited to be part of this podcast today. As Eric said before, welcome back to another episode of the Track Podcast. This is episode five. We have a great show for you. Up next, we have a special guest coming to the podcast. Dunford, the athletic trainer for the USC Trojans. The man has a lot of knowledge and wisdom, and we're all going to be blessed to hear what he has to say. So without further ado, let's bring him in. Dunford. Yeah. What's up, guys? Ah, hey, Dunford. Main man himself. How's it going? Going well. I missed you. I love the best. I miss you guys, too. How's everything going with the family? Doing good. They're in the room right now. They're like getting ready for bed. So, but no, they're doing good. They're doing really good. So now we can actually move on. The LAUSD just announced that they're going online for um, for Kira School. So, oh, that should be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On because that's that's the conversation for the last few months. It's like they kept sending us uh, surveys to figure out what parents wanted to do. That's interesting for kids. I don't know if I was just that young, I would not pay attention. Absolutely not. No way. Ah, not for us. She had a class today, like a summer school class, and you know she's watching the screen, and then something's going on to the side, so she's like paying attention there. I'm like, no, no, listen to your teacher. She's about to ask you a question. <laughs> but she's she's done pretty good. Like, I mean, you know. Most of the spring was online for them, and she did pretty good just adjusting, you know, to the whole situation. They didn't really complain much. So, yeah. How about you guys? How's everyone doing? Everybody's fine. Damn. Taking day by day. Good. All we, all we can do. Yeah. That, that, that's it. So... Speaking of that, how have you been uh, with all this stuff that's going on with the COVID-19, this quarantine, and now with the uncertainty of, you know, coming back to school, how have you been adjusting with all this? I mean, to be honest with you, I've been pretty good. I mean, you know, I think um, everyone went through this a little bit differently. You know, everyone's got their own little journey and, you know, how they handled quarantine um you know for me it was like you got you guys know how it is during the season during the year it's like you know we got number one one priority you know is to get things done at the school um you know 12 years as an athletic trainer this is the first time like i had you know three solid months um at home with the, with the family so you know did my best to take care of that uh, to handle that and be around for them but in the back of my mind i was still in like hundred percent, like hundred miles per hour going quick, trying to like fill it, fill the time with, with something. Um, 
and like I said, it, it worked out eventually once once we got in a little rhythm. So um, yeah, like I said, just just didn't look too far ahead because there was so much uncertainty um, during like when we started in March. But you know, again, just try to take it day by day. Um, you know, communicate with people. You know, at school, communicate with people. You know, that's like you know, friends and 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 people that I haven't talked to in a while, just to kind of break that monotony of of you know staring at the same walls you know for, for the for the day um, and like i said we got into a really good rhythm and now it's like we're back to you know i this is my second week working at se again and again the same thing we're we're now adjusting with you know governor newsom shutting down the indoor gyms and a lot of other facilities we kind of went back one phase just to try to Try to settle what's going on with with COVID. So, so SE yeah. is, is going back one phase two. No, uh, not necessarily. We're already like still early in the stages. Mm -hmm. uh, just kind of, we have to change some of the things that we we're doing um, in terms of facility usage with football. But um, for the most part, you know, everything's still still going like on track. It's just we got to adjust to the city. You know, at the end of the day, the, the city and the state, you know, if they make any rule changes, we've got to abide by, you know, what they're telling us. Right. And I feel like with that, me personally, I feel like all of this could be very preventable. If in the first place, in the first place, all the residents of California would just, you know, stay inside, but, you know, can't control everybody. So it's like taking three steps back. And we haven't even really taken no two steps forward. So it, was, it was just confusing because originally, you know, they were talking about opening up in July. So it was kind of a shock to everybody. I have friends that, you know, that work in gyms and they were like, oh, we can open up like three weeks ahead of the schedule. So, you know, they're, they're trying to scramble to make sure they have their protocols in place, you know, businesses that weren't prepared to do it where you know, obviously like, hey, we can open up, let's figure out if we can do this safely, but there's not a lot of time, like they didn't have a lot of time to plan. Um, I got my, I have my, uh, my um, theories for why they reopened early, but you know, I just, I just think people weren't ready and you saw what happened. It's like, you know, people have been home for so long and the moment they get that freedom, they just, they go out wow. or going, is, you know, hanging out with people like, I mean, that's just that's just the perfect combination for the numbers to start coming back up again. Yeah, good weather will make people go outside. Yeah, Man, what? Make people like Superman, right? <laughs> you and here in Maryland, our weather didn't really get good to like May, mid to late May. Yeah, by then everybody was still inside. People. It's like here, no one really had the urge to like venture out, party and whatnot. I guess that's the difference between like a northern state and a southern state or a coastal state. Okay. Yeah. I mean, people were protesting. I don't know if you guys saw the, the news like early, maybe like two months in, people were protesting. Like, I was down by like the beaches. Yeah, trying to get businesses to open up again, like trying to put pressure on. You know, Mayor Garcetti's, uh, they're going to his house, like, trying to protest to get people to open up or to get them to open up the state again. I was like, I don't think people see the, the impact. You know, I think it's, you know, part of it is, 
you know, the people who, the person who runs our country is very wishy-washy in terms of what, how people should, you know, approach the situation. Mm -hmm. A lot of people who are, you know, listening to that, you know, and you have a lot of people who are, who are listening to the science behind it and understanding that, hey, this is, this is a real thing just because, you know, they're, they're kind of downplaying the, the impact on the younger population. You know, they're saying it's, you know, only affects the older people, but I mean, we don't know the long-term effect of this, this virus really, right? I mean, we just know, I mean, it's been around, I think maybe since like late fall and you know, people are sort of learning, people are still learning how to treat this. People are still learning how the body reacts to it. Um, and like I said, it's just, we just don't know what the long-term ramifications of this, this health. I feel like that's the bad part is people kind of left out certain variables that they might get it or I'm too young to get it. My immune system's going to fight it off and then they slip up and go outside or go in a public place with a bunch of people without wearing their mask. And next thing you know, the numbers went up by the thousands. So I just feel like people need to, you know, not single themselves out. It's a virus. Anybody can catch it. Or think about the people that they expose when they go out. Even though us as young people who are cardiovascularly pretty fit, yeah, we may not get it, but we'll carry it and we'll go see our grandparents who may get it. That's that's where things get kind of scary for me. Right. And then the um, asymptomatic people, if that's the word, where they don't show symptoms. So you never know. Somebody could be walking around looking normal, not looking sick. And even yourself, you could have it and not know. That's why people just got to be careful. Yeah, that's the, the thing that frustrates me the most is, you know, people, it's like, hey, the number, the, the argument of, hey, the numbers are going up because more people are getting tested. I'm like, okay, but why are people getting tested? Exactly. <laughs> they're getting sick or they're around somebody who got sick. So it's like, that's why the numbers, that's why people are going out to get tested. Like, you know, let, let's not, let's not, try to change the story and, and say that the numbers are higher because people are going out to test. I mean, COVID is not something we're born with, right? We're not just, it's like we're trying to find out our blood type. No, this is trying to find out if we're sick or not. Yeah, this COVID is like an invisible monster going around and people just feel invincible, like they Superman, like, oh, I'm just gonna do whatever and however. Then next thing you know, they catch it and then it just go down here from that because I know out here in Atlanta, uh, I'm a I'm where I live. I'm by like malls and, and outlets and places like that, and I see like those places starting to get packed full of people, and it's just like, <laughs> do y'all not know like there's this invincible creature that's going around here? So it's just like the numbers gonna still keep rising. If, if they do protect or if they're not. So it just people just gotta be more more educated on what's really going on. Yeah, I like right after the George Floyd the killing, I was conflicted of going out to protest or not. Because I really, really did not want to get sick. But yeah. I had to go. Like something was just itching me, I was like, you should go. 
So I went down there and went. I luckily, everyone who was down there was wearing a mask. Thank God. I don't know how people did. <laughs> but like, but like just now, like I don't want to go out, especially in an indoor setting. I come up. I'll see y'all later. Like that. Um, everything. We're not like. You know, we, we we kept everything pretty much the same. I mean, even the people in my circle, we kept everything the same. Like we're not trying to go out, um, you know, do any more than what we've been doing for the last three months. Yeah. I think that's the best way, you know, to to handle your situation, uh, to make sure you're taking care of you and then the people directly around you, and then obviously, you know, the rest of the population, making sure you're not doing anything. Um, well, extra. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Share with the team, like, your thoughts after the George Floyd. But um, you, can you share your, your initial thoughts of, of you seeing that video? And the Ahmaud Aubrey case and the Breonna Taylor case? Well, just, I mean... It was not easy. I mean, I, I, I remember when, you know, I was working out in my in my apartment um, in, the of, in the middle of the warm-up, and I go to check my phone just to change the song, and then, you know, someone had sent me the video. So, you know, I sit down, and I watch, and I'm like, you know, I'm watching this thing, and I'm just, you know, you, you hear the, the, the people pleading, the witnesses pleading. You hear loud and clear George Floyd in his position pleading and we saw I mean this was a murder like we 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 see that live or not live but we see it in full full the full timeline of that event um and it wasn't easy I, like to be honest with you I was numb and I'm like I can't believe this just like you know this just happened like you know, in, in the day and age we're at now, where technology is so easy to get to, I mean, you're, you're, you've got millions of people seeing this, and you can't deny the fact that, yeah. you know, this is a real thing that's happening. So I, fin I, I stopped. I went back into the apartment, and I just said, you know, I talked to my wife, and I'm like, hey, like, did you see this video? Like, did you? And we just sat and, and talked about it. And it was just, like I said, it was really hard to to put into words. Um, I mean, literally, the, the life just left. And and again, for that, for the officer to keep doing what he was doing, and then for people to argue that, like, he was fine, like, I, <laughs> how do you even argue that, you know? Like, even if, even, you know, people would say, oh, yeah, you're, you know, the emotions are high, the adrenaline is high. Like, if the guy is telling you he can't breathe, and he's calling out for, you know, his mother, he's, this is this is not normal. Yeah. yeah, those type of videos, I have a real hard time watching it. Like I'm normally one of the last people to watch it. I'll go like a like a, a couple of days after everyone has talked about it to watch it. Yeah, but for this one, like everyone just told me that I gotta watch it, so I watched it, and then I don't know. I just froze. I was like, yeah, that's I froze for five minutes, and I was like. Yeah, nah, we done. I'm done. I can't take this no more. Yeah.
and my yeah, brother. Yeah, me, uh, yeah. yeah, for me, it was a little bit different because, you know, COVID-7, uh, he's been staying with. So, uh, you know, CNN, NBC, everybody, you know, showing the video and whatnot. So I'm just there watching it. And then uh, my little cousin came in. At first, I wanted to change it because, like, now she needed seen it grab it, but then it hit me like, you know, don't need to have this conversation with me and somebody else in the family because, but you're only seven. So I was explaining to her, you know, going through the history of what racism is, what segregation is, and, you know, we went way back, you know, just educating her on why, you know, the black community is. So with that video, it was just very, very graphic because you, you just like it took his life away. Like you see past videos where you know somebody got shot, you know, and you have those encounters, but for this specific video to be ten minutes long and he just laying there basically getting choked to death by his knee it was very very hard to watch and even very hard to explain to my little cousin the significance of what is going on in this world and she's only seven um we got to talk to the you know me and my wife were talking about it and then you know the girls are here you know i got you know four-year-old and arlen just turned three uh july one so you know, we're, we're we're talking about it, and they're like, "Hey, mom, you know, what 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 are you guys talking about?" Like, and then to have to explain, you know, and I didn't, I did my best to explain. You know, they're not gonna understand really, but I did my best to explain, like, you know, what happened. Um, you know, without, you know, obviously we're not gonna show the video, but just to explain, like, what what that whole situation is all about. And you know, the conversation got even more. I wouldn't say in depth, but we had more conversations after that as you know the protests happen as you know I'm watching the news trying to you know figure out what you know what's going on at least locally for me uh, for us here in LA you know what's going on with you know different parts of the city so you know we're watching that you know questions of hey what, what does that mean like what's happening you know so but yeah I was like I mean the first thing going back to the original question I mean the first thing too was with Ahmad Arbery it's like had it not been for COVID this thing might have slid like past everybody. Because yeah. now it's like everybody, everyone's home, everyone's on their on on their you know, using their technology, and it's like you know, getting the story. Now we'll have more time to do more research on the story. You know, people aren't distracted by work or by you know other things they're normally doing when we're not in this uh, quarantine. So the message yeah. spread. So you know, and and the outcry for hey, why is this okay? Like. Why did this not get investigated any further? You know? And then again with Brianna, you find out about her situation, and you know as more and more um, evidence comes out from it, it's just you know I do this, I'm like why is it? Like, why are we still? It's a hundred over 118 days, and there's still nothing really going on with it. And it's like, hey, we fired one of the officers, but it's like, okay, like what's what's next? We change, we created a new law. 
well, what's next? It's, it's not going to bring back, I mean, obviously nothing will bring her back, but in terms of just doing the right thing, you know, it's, it's like, that's not even a conversation that's being had. It's like, I just, I, I, it's like, I don't know what else to, like, what else people need. I mean, you just, you read the story, I don't, no matter how much you read the story and how much you try to like, if you're on the other side talking about it, you try to make it right. There's nothing right about it. Like, and this goes back to the Rodney King situation where, you know, that's when the first, you know, actual video has been put out to the public. And I mean, you have all the evidence that you need to have those officers should have been fired and arrested. So really it started way back when right. with the Rodney King situation. And it just, that just goes to show you how corrupt the system really is and the people that's a, that are in place in that system needs to be, you know, questioned as well because how much evidence do you need? And I feel like us as a people, we just got to continue to, you know, go up there and keep and keep voicing, you right. know, the change of equality and, you know, equal rights because I don't know how much more evidence that you need for all the all of these cases. Like I don't I don't see how much more evidence that you need and why does a trial have to go three months and y'all still have it inside and y'all have everything right there in y'all in y'all hands. You know what baffles me? Rodney King happened in 1992, I believe. Mm -hmm. There was a video of that. I was 11 years old when I saw the video of Oscar Grant getting shot um, at the BART station in, uh, in Oakland. And here I am, you know, 21 years old, seeing yet another video of another black man getting murdered by in a law enforcement and you know it's crazy that decades after rodney king happened there's still video evidence of the same crime being committed by the same people police officers so at what point do people start to realize that it's not just them being caught in the act it's a, this is what the system is. This is this is what they do. This is our, this is their lives, our lives. Like for this to happen multiple times, this is no accident that somebody just so happened to be recording something being an incident being um, taking place. You know, this is what they do to us. This is the system and how corrupt it is. That's exactly what it is. They're being exposed. So, at what point? Are these videos going to be, you know, not just evidence, but proof that right. the system is right. corrupt? And it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. At what point do we, do people need to stop arguing the fact that this, this was okay because they were a convicted felon? Like what? Like, <laughs> right? Yeah, but that was that didn't happen like right then. I mean, everyone else is is what innocent to proven guilty is like. And you're not you're not being punished for that particular thing you did years ago. I mean you're I mean even 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 if it would happen right then and there, it still doesn't mean, you know, that you can go kill somebody. You just you know, something like you still have to go through that process, you know? It's I, again I've heard that argument. Um, you know, I have friends who are 
you know, who are in um, LAPD, and it's like honestly, had to mute people or not follow people anymore because it's like, like, how can that be an argument? How can that be something that you use to justify, you know, someone's life? Like being being taken away that way, you know? That's like, just to me, it's like it just blows me away that it's that's like a different excuse. That's not excuse. I'm glad you brought it up because all right, there's just too many people preaching hate and division instead of love and unity. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I try to preach every day, love and unity every day. We just got to fight the hate. That's where it comes to. Yeah, it's so, it's so, it's so hard to to, to convince people that it's not a left versus right thing, it's just a right versus wrong. Like what ha- what happened in all these cases is just wrong. Yeah. As soon as it becomes entrenched in one side, you're going to get half the population fighting one way and half the population fighting the other, and we just get stuck in this rut like you did in '92. And what like what happens every time something like this happens, and it's super sad to see. Nice. Yeah, going back to what you said. Uh... Going back to what you said, Dunford, I say the reason why we see it's easy for us to see uh, why it's so wrong because we're looking through the uniform. And a lot of people not looking through the uniform. They just think, oh, he's a police officer. He just do whenever and however as he pleases because he has some type of power. But at the end of the day, we all people. You're not a police officer 24-7. At some day, you have to clock out of work and you are a regular citizen. So at the end of the day, you are a citizen in the United States. What you did was murder, straight up. That you can't justify what you know the person did in his past, where he had a felon or he had a heart problem. That that that, that doesn't matter because y'all both are citizens, and you killed him, second degree murder. So. That's 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 what the conflict is that some people are looking through uniform and there's some people just looking at the uniform and like, oh, he just doing his job. It's not the case. Yeah, so um so Dunford, what what where have been the things you've been doing in the community to spread awareness, to help fight the cause, to help spread the love and the hate? And just I don't know, create an environment of equality. Well, the first part was just for me was kind of looking at myself a little bit more and figure out, you know, because at, at the point it was like very overwhelming. It's like, yeah, I want to help, but it's like, you know, what lane am I gonna, what am I gonna, what am I gonna choose? You know, where am I gonna go with it? So initially it was learning more about like listening or looking at other people's stories, listening to you know whether. Um, the stories or experiences people have had. I think that was like that was a key thing. Just um, you know, obviously we know from and you guys had talked to the talked to uh, Coach Hugh about this in the first uh, podcast. But you know, you learn you know what you know from the history, the history that <laughs> that you're taught. And mm-hmm. and you know, I'm 39 now. When when the Rodney King situation happened, I was like 12. Um, but it's like every year there's always something. And 
Um, there's, there's another story. There's another story of brutality, another story of injustice, another story of racism. And I think just like being, being cued in, being cued in or clued into that situation, like every year it's like, you know, I wasn't mature back then to, to know what to do about or know what to, how to approach it. You know, now when this whole thing happened with George Floyd, it was like, okay, you know, enough's enough. I, I can't, you know, sit back here and just not, not say anything, not, not share a story. Or if I, if I, if I learned something, not share that information again, you know, I can't ever know how that feels or how, you know, a young black man or, you know, a young black woman or a black person who I would feel when, you know, in instances of, of prejudice or racism, like I, I can't ever put myself in, I'll never experience it. So for me, it was more trying to, trying to learn and listen, like early, listen to what people are saying, listen to people's stories. You know, it got to the point where, where, um, you know, I have a few friends that are really like, I wouldn't say they're activists, but they, they, they speak out a lot. So I started listening to things they're saying more. Um, you know, it went to the point where I started to change my, my social media feed in terms of what I'm seeing. Because again, I need to, I need to learn more things. Um, again, all of it was to figure out how I can use my platform, how I can use, you know, my myself to be in this fight, right? Be in this thing for the long haul. Again, it wasn't for you know, hey, just for a little bit. Once this thing dies down, then we go back. We go about our regular life. It wasn't. It wasn't about that. So, you know, I was fortunate enough to early during COVID. I, you know, I met some people um, outside of USC, all you know, working as um, in the health profession too. So, you know, I, we were we were talking pretty closely for you know since March um, up until now. And we just finished like a little cohort together and, you know, what better group to, to kind of sit down and figure out what the next steps would be on our end, you know, um, again, just trying to figure out what we can do as you know, athletic trainers, physical therapists, um, some were massage therapists, some were personal trainers, but, you know, how we can you know, use our respective platforms into, you know, finding an impact uh, finding a way to make an impact in, in these, uh, you know, social injustices. Um, so, you know, things like, you know, obviously like sharing information, but we also talked about how, you know, representation within those respective fields. That's something that, um, you know, the, the BIPOC community is really underrepresented in those fields. Uh, so that's something that we, you know, we're still talking about that right now in terms of you know, what, what can we do going forward to change this representation? Again, it's not going to happen like that in a month or so, but this is something that, you know, we can, we can as a group, you know, go long term and figure out ways to, to change the narrative. But yeah, just, I mean, like, just watching, like, you know, you know, watching things like, I would, I would, uh, you know, write down people's uh, recommendations in terms of, hey, read this book or watch the show. I mean, I sat down and watched, you know, 13th and just, I'm like, all you needed to watch is that to give you an answer what the hell is going on in our time, you know, to, to, to argue that, you know, systemic racism isn't a thing, to argue that, you know, slavery ended 
hundreds of years old. I mean, all you need to do is watch the, the you know, 13th documentary and, and you get your answers right there and give, give you a timeline on why we're in this situation right now. It's crazy because 13th is not the only film that depicts exactly the truth. There's hundreds of films. Plethora. Yeah, and then, you know, obviously I work in the, in the medical field, so that was a big thing. You know, I started seeing, you know, how, you know, black patients are, are uh, mistreated in, in the health field. So I actually took a, a course. There was a, a black physical therapist who was teaching about allyship and, and um, you know, racism. So a, she, she spent a big portion of it talking about the history of, you know, healthcare for, for the enslaved. Right. And I mean, you're seeing stories of um, just just mistreatment, like from, you know, what's his name? The, the gynecologist, right, who who was basically doing experiments on, on you know, on the enslaved people, especially the women to try to figure out, you know, more about, you know, medicine, whatever. To me, it just doesn't make sense. why. And then uh, the Tuskegee study was another one that's like, you know, injecting somebody, you know, uh, uh, people with syphilis and letting them just go through time and not giving them any way to, like, you know, recover from it. So it's like, it, it's just, it's just insane. It's insane, like, reading about it and just, like, how is that even okay? Yeah, I know here, like, like white people go to, like, certain hospitals in this state because they don't know they know some ho the other hospitals here would not treat them well at all. Right. And I think a lot of states in the South are like that too. Yeah, it's only a few good hospitals that you're gonna be in good hands with. And it, it, yeah, it's crazy. Only a few, and we have all these hospitals and clinics out here. And it's only like maybe Five at least. Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not different hospitals and uh, a healthy growing population. And then we we got we got narrowed down our our options to one or two, if lucky. Yeah, yeah that's a big issue for us. So I'm gonna transition a little bit uh, for the listeners who don't, you know know you fully if you could give us you know a background of your a background of yourself where you grew up from you know your childhood teenagehood adulthood all the above you can give that for the people 39 so i got a long time <laughs> <laughs> well let's go from the very beginning so i was born in 1980 in the philippines mm -hmm. so i grew up in um in manila which is i guess the one of the you know, biggest city in the Philippines. Um, so I, I was there for until I was eight years old. Um, and we kind of bounced around from like, you know, the city to, you know, the countryside. So my little sister was born in, you know, a smaller country, like, you know, there's a volcano, we got rice fields. It's, 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 I mean, I, I don't remember a lot of it because obviously it was a long time ago, but I do remember, you know, running around as a kid, you know, playing around like, um, you know, seeing the rice fields and, and uh, the water buffaloes and all that stuff. 
but the last maybe three years, uh, we were in in the city with uh, living with my uh, with my uncle. So we moved. Obviously, you know, like the number one reason people leave like places like the Philippines is is for the American dream, right? So, you know, luckily we were my um, so my great grandfather was a U.S. citizen. He was born in in Hawaii. Um, sorry, my grandfather was a U.S. citizen. So back then, any of his any of his children became U.S. citizens as well. So, you know, growing up, I think we lived a lot better than than I think the norm because of that citizenship. In the Philippines, you know, they they really value you know the American lifestyle, right? Um, you know, if you're an American living in the U in the Philippines, it's like you know your class system is a little bit different. Um, so, anyways, my it was easy for my dad to go to the U.S. first to get started. So he actually lived in the U.S. for a couple of years before uh, my mother and my older brother and my younger sister all moved in um, moved to the to the U.S. And you know, I'm eight years old. Just finished second grade. I didn't. I didn't know any English except for I knew one word. The only word I knew was yes. So let's just say I got made fun of a lot. You know, people ask. You know, you know how kids can be, man. They ask me some like really <laughs> questions, and they knew I was gonna answer yes. So it became like you know, people were just making fun of me. But you know, I've got I've got thick skin. Like, that was fine, and I didn't know they were making fun of me anyways. So I didn't know what they were saying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Anyway, so you know, I grew up in uh, in the Bay Area, so I grew up in Daly City, so that's why me and Mac are like this. You know, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, I grew up in, in uh, Daly City. I went through, you know, obviously, um, grade school, junior high school, high school, all over there. Um, and I found out about like athletic training and, and physical therapy back when I was running. Uh, track in high school. Um, I used to get pretty bad shin splints. Um, we didn't have an athletic trainer at the school. So, you know, I kind of do my own research in terms of how to take care of it. I didn't like the the recommendations I would get from people was like, oh, ice and Advil. How is that going to make me better in the long run? Um, so after a while, I started to um, kind of learn more about the profession. And I thought it seemed really cool being able to you know, like someone like me who had it through my four years running uh, tracking cross country, like, you know, how cool would it be to be able to help somebody with that? So um, I went to junior college in the Bay. Um, I like was one of the first uh, people in the sports medicine class at this at this particular university or uh, junior college. Um, and, you know, as I learned more and more about the profession, it was like, yeah, this is something I want to be. Um, and from talking to my counselors, like a lot of the better schools were in Southern California. So I transitioned and, and looked at, at some schools in, you know, here in LA and found Cal State Northridge. So I went to CSUN from 03. I uh, started in the athletic training program there in 2006, finished in 2008, passed my board exam. So I got my, you know, my certification. And then, so for two years after that, or a year, for, for two years, I spent time as a, as a grad student at CSUN. I was also a grad assistant at the school there. Um, and then again, just, I was lucky to be at the right place at the right time. 
you know, I'm looking for jobs when I finished as a GA. Um, and luckily there was a position at CSUN, so I transitioned into that position. Um, so for my first two years there, I was working women's volleyball, um, softball, and women's tennis. And then my last four years, I went from women's volleyball to women's soccer, uh, but I kept the other two sports. Um, and eventually I got a GA, so he was covering, you know, uh, softball and tennis. But from there, around 2014, you know, there was a really good opportunity to come to SC. Um, and it was, it, was, it, was, it was a hard choice at the time because, not because I didn't think SC was like a good place, but, you know, my wife was, was going to give birth to, in like a few months to, to Kira at that time. So for me, it was like, do I make the change now? And, you know, with, with the baby coming, but, you know, she supported me, obviously. And, you know, Russ at SC understood the situation. And when the job was offered, you know, I took it. Um, you know, knowing that, Obviously, SE has been a dream job for me since, you know, since I was in athletic training uh, program as a student. So, you know, I actually interned at SC in 2007, and that was always a goal for me to be able to work at a high-level university like that. And now this is what year number, year number six, going into year yeah. six, SE. Yeah. So, I mean, time just flew by. Time flew by for sure. You made me feel old. I'm saying. <laughs> In a few years, we'll do this, and I'll interview you, and you can tell me about your time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Can we get some good news for the season? What are you looking forward most to this upcoming season? We finish what, <laughs> what we started. Mm. Finish what we started. You know, you know, it's, you know, we, we were, we were coming into last year, you know, with a chip on our shoulder, trying to, you know, on both sides, right. Trying to, trying for redemption. Um, and I, I thought we were, man, ready to go. And obviously, you know, COVID has its own mind. We can do, <laughs> we can control what COVID wants to do, but uh, I guess, you know, the same mentality coming into into next year into this fall spring whenever we start up is just to finish to finish what we started hopefully we've all learned a little bit of something over the last three months in terms of you know what we need to do individually to to accomplish the goals we have as a team and then to accomplish the goals that you have personally or individually right yeah. and then obviously see you guys man like you know we, we we got back from ncs and it was like okay go home you know, no one got to say goodbye to anybody. We didn't know how long it was going to be. You know, we had like, we would text each other and call each other, but it was just kind of not, not having that closure over over the season was a little, I know it was rough for, you know, myself, the coaching staff, and I can, we can only imagine what it was like for you guys, you know? So I think just, just to get back, you know, get back into our little routine, you know, try to try to make some noise when the season comes. Now I know that we going back to school is going to be totally different. It's going to be a lot of restrictions and rules and regulations. So how do you feel about you know the returning of? I know I said this before, but it was like in a broader statement book. 
for having you know the track team to come back How, are you ready to come back or you feel like you know still need to hold off on some things i mean i'm ready to go back i'm, I'm always gonna be ready but i think it's um the, the health and wealth and welfare of the student athletes is, is really important um you know and i can't speak for other schools but you know at least at SE, we're doing our best to make sure, you know, the proper protocols are in place, you know, like a lot of different things are in place. We're not rushing into anything. We're making sure that obviously, like I said, you know, we're, we're, we're abiding by what the, the city wants us to do. Um, we're abiding by what the university wants us to do in terms of bringing people back. And I think we're seeing nationally at other schools, other universities where, you know, they're getting, you know, quite a few numbers and I just don't want, I don't want to rush into anything and just kind of make sure that everyone's coming back as, as safely as possible. And, you know, we're, we're in, a, in a unique situation where, you know, you guys are going to be impacted heavily by the rest of the city body, right? I mean, you guys, not to say that they don't have any aspirations or anything like that, but, you know, we're obviously trying to have a season. We're trying to have meets. We're trying to have, you know, these athletic events. You guys are all you guys all have your own individual aspirations and i think other people may not have that so their decision making is going to be a little different than your decision making and it's hard to control that aspect of it right it's easy it's easy to control um you know the protocols and how we check in and and do our wellness checks and all that stuff but Again, it's hard to police. It's hard to it's hard to control the rest of the school, right? Absolutely. So I'm staying optimistic. I'll, I'll run in a in a mask if I have to. For uh, that's the rule. You run. That's the rule. Yeah. Well, it'd be training for the wildfires. <laughs> I mean, like you know, we obviously it's. Like I, like I said, I don't know any, any details. I think, um, you know, obviously we can't do what we've been doing and training as a group as a whole, right? Like there's there's going to be a lot of things in place to protect everyone, to protect groups, like maybe smaller groups. Again, I don't know. I don't have all the details. It's like we we get we get news as like they develop as like because I think the university doesn't want to send info that's 50 50 right they want to they want to send people information 100 percent fact that it's actually going to happen so i think that's the hard part and and um you know providing you guys that info is just nothing is nothing is certain right now <laughs> i had a question Doctor. i'm just curious so um throughout your time being a, a athletic trainer you've worked in predominantly black sports um, and you develop relationships with with your athletes, you know. So, what have you yourself witnessed about their particular stories, or have heard or seen the struggles that many Black athletes face, you know, in the athletic world that you know non-Black athletes wouldn't really have to face, or that you yourself haven't really experienced? I think part of it is, you know, we we may not necessarily have talked about it in depth, but it's the energy. I feel the energy with, with our group. You know, sometimes we're 
you know, when we travel, we're in a, we're in a situation that's foreign to us. And I just, I can feel the energy of, of uneasiness, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm very, you know, sensitive to that. So, you know, when I feel people around me, it's like, you know, they may not be able to say or act the way they want to. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it, it sucks. I mean, like, and the other big thing I see is just like not being able to have a voice not being able to express the things you guys want to express because you're always worried about a blowback from someone, right? From a higher up. And I think, you know, you guys forming the UBS AA is like, I mean, that's great. Have, you know, let your voice be heard. Let, let, like, let this be the time where you have this empowerment. Let this be a time where like, let's not be silent anymore. You know, let's let's speak up. Let's speak up on the things again. I, don't, I may not know full stories of situations that you know, you know, people have been in, but this is a time for 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 the group as a whole to be able to, to be able to say, you know, to be able to to voice experiences that they ha they've had, um, so that people are aware and can make a change. So this isn't happening anymore. Again, that's really easy to say that this doesn't happen anymore. It's like, you know, people have to meet us half, meet you guys halfway, meet the people who are advocating for this, us halfway, so that, you know, some something good can come out of it. Yeah, that's all I'm talking about. So, I mean, like, that, when, when I saw that, I was like, this is great. I mean, like, you know, why not now? Why not you guys? Why does it have to be you know, the, the, the same voices that's, that's out there, you know, advocating, why is it, you know, why can't the younger pop, you know, the younger group, like you guys who are going to do something great in this life, why can't you guys start at this age and let your voices be heard, let your voices be heard? Yeah, it's definitely hard to tell our generation, you know, we always find a way to, to come to a solution. And I think this movement is a prime example of that. And a lot of good things are coming from it. So I'm excited for the next couple months to see what change actually happens. Don't stop. This is absolutely don't stop. Easy to yeah, stop. Yeah, I think our generation is easy to stop and just to, you know, get carried away with the things you want to do or what people are doing around you and um i think this is an opportunity for not just you know, the black student athlete the young you know uh black american but for everybody who sees that this things that are happening are wrong this is an opportunity to just like you said you know show love amongst each other and and fight for that one that one goal right yeah, because even though I'll be thinking about myself, I'm like thinking about the, the eight-year-old student, the eight-year-old student athlete coming up in the ranks. Because uh -huh. we, we was once that person looking up to uh, these to uh, what college athletes and professionals. So yeah, I would just be thinking about them and all the hardships they're going through. Yeah, I just think our uh, generation is ambition, like. 
we just have enough of it. So to hear you, uh, Dunford, to let us know that all that does is just let us know we just head in the right direction. You know, you being in the older generation, it's like, okay, we we doing something right. And people are starting to, to notice. So, but yeah, I think although we far, very far from the, uh, from the finish line, but I feel like, you know, over time, you know, step by step, day by day, that it's gonna change is gonna change is gonna happen. They won't be able to deny us. They already deny us for decades. I feel like time right now is like eventually they they can't deny us no more. The the biggest thing is you know to hold each other accountable. I mean that's um, you know people like you know I'm talking to we have a like I said this little advocacy group that um, a bunch of us are are in. Um, we basically said, "Hey, we gotta hold each other accountable. Like, you know, we can't be saying all these things, and then, you know, when it's time for actions to happen, it's like, okay, let's go. Like, let's go. You know, where is it? Let's make these actionable things a reality." Um, so, yeah, I just hope. Like with this platform, I just hope to inspire people to don't stop. Don't ever stop. Just keep on keeping on. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, now that, you know, protests, even though we are still having protests, I feel like, you know, it's starting to die down. And I feel like as we transition to school, I just feel like that everybody would just have that, that same goal in mind. Like, hey, we still fighting, you know, for one purpose and one purpose only, that's to get equal rights. So I just feel like as we transition and if, you know, you, like we have the NBA coming up, if that happens, and we have, you know, the NFL coming up. So I just feel like with all these events that's coming in the next couple of months, I just feel like we all as a people just need to, although, yeah, that's fine and dandy. Like we can pay attention to those things, that, but we still, still, have, still have a goal. We still have a plan, still have a job to take care of. So as we transition, I just hope that people just don't, you know, swirl off in another direction because that that's not going to get us nowhere. And we got to get more people out to, uh, I mean, November is right around the corner. I think just, you know, getting people out there into the into the polls to I mean, let our voices be heard there too, right? Like that's that's such an important thing and, you know, and you're not too young, like I just said, you're not too young to to make your voices heard, but to also make your vote heard. You know, that's 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 November's going to be huge. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So looking at you know, obviously we're looking at the presidential candidates, but we have to look at some other things within that ballot. You know, whether it's propositions, whether it's other seats, and you know, in Congress, I think it's really important that you know people do the research to make sure that we have people in places of power where, you know, we said this is a systemic thing, right? This is not a, just a police thing, right? This is, this is everything. This is the whole structure. We have to be able to, you know, put people in, in positions where like, yeah, they're going to hear the voice and they're going to hear, you know, the, the fight for, for equality and they're also going to do something about it. Yeah, 
on UBSAA, we're working on a lot of voter stuff to make sure people on campus are ready to vote come November 3rd. Can't wait to release that. It's going to be big. That's... No, you guys are doing good, man. I'm telling you, like, don't don't let um, don't let the hate or people who oppose kind of knock you guys off of your rail, you know, your, your track. Just keep doing it. Keep doing it. Yeah, a lot of people supporting you guys. Just don't forget that, okay? Always. No, as we approach an hour in this podcast. The man, the myth, the legend, Alfred. We appreciate you. You know, for all the people out there. Hey, love you, man. Man has, man, 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 man has, has a lot no, no, of wisdom. And, and, and we still, we still waiting for that book that you're going to release ten years later. We still waiting on it. Your own documentary, the book. Yeah, you really do. Okay. You really do. I can make it. You, Rob, you might have like four chapters in there. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> He's in here again. He's like, golly, what's like, going on? D Rob character. Interesting. Oh. When, when D Rob, when you text me about this opportunity, you know, I was like, normally I'd say no, but you know, you guys, it's an honor to be here. Like, you know, I don't want to let you guys down and, you know, spending an hour with you guys, which, you know, we've, it's been taken away from from us, but being able to spend this time just to talk about—I mean, these are conversations that we normally wouldn't talk about, right? All right. I think I think in terms of our, you know, relationship outside of, you know, track treatments, prehab, you know, exercises, this is something that you know I would hope to continue to 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 grow. Okay. Always, always, always. Thank Sir. you, Dunford. Well, thank you, Matt. We really appreciate you guys. Have a great night. Get some good sleep. We appreciate it. Once again, I appreciate you to taking the time out of your busy schedule to, see you in to the join us. Yeah. See you guys in the to Join us in the conversation. And love you, man. I love you guys, too. Love you, Dunford. Take care of yourselves. We miss you, you guys. Okay? Stay safe.